The victims in a string of grisly murders all have one link, a cursed VHS tape containing morbid images of a long-haired girl crawling out of a well. A journalist and her ex-husband try to unravel the mystery before the curse takes their lives, along with her young son. Directed by Hideo Nakata, Ringu from 1998 is the first of many technology-themed horror flicks that sparked a trend in the early 2000s. Welcome to the AA Matinee. Uh, this week's pick is Ringu from 1998. I'm Alyssa. And I'm Amanda. So this is the first horror movie that we've done on here. How you feel about it, Amanda? I was, I put off watching this movie until last night. I was like, I just gotta watch it. And it was like, daylight was, you know, it was closing in on me. <laughs> I think it was like eight o'clock when I finished it. And it was not what I thought it was gonna be. Like in terms of like scariness, because I had seen the one poster, like, with the eye. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually the scariest part of the movie. Yeah, agreed. But um, it wasn't as scary as I thought. It was just more, like, anticipation building. Yeah, that's kind of why I picked this one, because it is, like, it. the story creeps under your skin, but it's mm. mostly a mystery, I would say. So. Yeah, and the whole angle of her, like, being a reporter is a great thing. Yeah, I, I thought you would like that, clues. too. Yeah. Uh, so the two actors in the lead roles, uh, and forgive me if I'm pronouncing their names incorrectly, Nanaku Matsushima as uh, Raiku Asakawa. She's the journalist who's investigating her niece's death and uh, she finds the first videotape and watches it. Um, and Hiroyuki Sonata uh, as Ryuji, uh, her ex-husband. Um, so also involved is their young son, Yoichi. Raiku and Ryuji are divorced. Um, they live separately. It's just Raiku and Yoichi. Uh, so whenever uh, her niece, um, Tomoko dies, she starts hearing stories of, like, from her, her friends about the cursed videotape, and everyone is saying that she watched it, and there were a bunch of kids who, like, went on vacation together and watched it, and they all died on the same day. Um, so that leads her to start investigating it. And then she brings the curse upon everyone. <laughs> Just don't watch the freaking video <laughs> in a blank, you know, video case. Well, to be fair, I guess her son watched it on accident. He, uh, he snagged it from her. Yeah, he said, um, her niece's ghost kind of called upon him to watch it. Oh, yeah, and you can watch it right now on Tubi and Shudder. I don't know if anyone rents movies from libraries anymore, but you can probably find all of these at a library somewhere. Just putting that out there. Support your local library. Do it. <laughs> can we get an ad for that? <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, so a lot of J-horror of the 90s through the early 2000s focused on a reliance on technology in the ever-changing landscape of day-to-day -day life. So like how technology affected like the little things. 
And they definitely incorporated elements of traditional ghost stories uh, along with adapting to this new like technological world. Um, a lot of similar movies that came out of that time period, uh, Juwan, The Grudge, which uh, I also thought about having you watch that one, but I think it definitely is scarier. It's less of a mystery and is more just like horrifying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> Pulse is another one and uh, One Missed Call. I love the opening scene in this because it starts with the two high school girls, Tomoko and her friend, and they're just talking about it and like joking and the, uh, her friend doesn't know that she's serious about it. And she plays it off as like, oh yeah, I'm just kidding, it's a joke. And then the phone rings and they both freeze up. They're like horrified. Mm -hmm. And then it's, um, it's just the one girl's parents calling. But then, <laughs> but then, then you find out uh, Tomoko is alone when her friend goes to the bathroom and the TV turns on by itself. And you don't see anything, like you just see a freeze frame of her face whenever she realizes what's going on. And it's pretty powerful. And even worse is when they kind of flash forward a little bit and they replay her, like the mom finding her and you see her face again, and that was a scary moment. I don't know, just the expression, like, of the people who are victim to this. Yeah. Is terrible. The score does a lot for this. Just like any horror movie, the score is really important. Um, mm -hmm. But it just has these, like, ominous, like, jarring strings. Like, cut in. Yeah. Now that I think about it, it's kind of like, uh, Saduko's um, nails on the oh. wall, you know, in the well. Girl needs a manicure. She doesn't have any fingernails, though. What she needs well, she needs help. She does need help, yeah. In many ways, more than one. Yeah. It was also not fair of them to cast her aside because she's a psychic, so... That always comes back mm -hmm. to bite you in the ass, you know, just because you kill somebody doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Some origins of Japanese horror films specifically. Um, everything, everything goes back to theater, really, and literature. Um, so popular theater in Japan, there's two different types, uh, kabuki and no. And the first known Japanese horror film is just a static shot of a kabuki play. They're very dramatic in their costuming with like masks and elaborate costumes, which definitely play into the horror element. Kaidan, uh, they're traditional ghost stories. And many of these stories have had multiple adaptations like in film and story-wise, like in plays over the years. Um, and they usually involve some kind of uh, karmic punishment. So you can definitely see themes of that here. There's some interesting takes on the themes for this one. A lot of people compare the, the replication of the, the VHS tape to like technology spreading like a virus. Maybe like the VHS dying off or like it's, it's just amazing to see like videotapes. 
yeah videotape be this powerful yeah i guess you could look at it that way now too because mm -hmm. it's like a relic although that hurts me to say because i still buy them <laughs> but i have friends who buy them but mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like our current technology no yeah and you could believe something like a even more so now that a videotape would hold something because it's more ominous than a dvd like <laughs> a skinny disc than yeah. um a t actual tape yeah that's true although i don't know if you threw it you could probably like slice through it's like a danger frisbee like a ninja star, yeah. <laughs> That's the sequel to this. <laughs> Actually, speaking of, okay, so apparently this movie and the sequel were released in Japan at the same time. Oh. Yeah. Same director? Same director. I know there's an American version, I think, because I feel like I've I used to have a friend that was obsessed with the horror movies and would try to get me to watch them. And she really liked, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can relate, yeah. Uh, she tried to get me to watch, I think, the American version, because I remember it was on and I remember seeing a well. Yeah. And them just focusing on the well. I don't know how the American version compares. It's been a long time since I've watched it. I've always liked the original version more. The American one definitely ups, like, the gore factor and the jump scares. Um, I don't necessarily like the appearance of, in the, um, in the American one, uh, her name is Samara. Oh, yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't necessarily like her appearance, because I feel like it's, it's just, like, overdone with, like, CGI. Discrimination. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say, I feel like this movie was really beautiful in a weird way. Like, I don't know, it just looks really flawless, and there's like a calmness to everything, and the cinematography is just great. That's why it works so well, like, being a horror movie, because it's not throwing all this, like, what I guess we see with, like, modern horror movies, like, Insidious or Conjuring, all these kind of new archetypes of horror. I feel like it's an American thing, too. Mm -hmm. They're more like, ooh, let me throw shit at you. Whereas this yeah. just kind of lets it breathe and lets the story take over. Yeah, there's an actual story, which... Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> need any, like, fancy effects or anything to, like, really make it scary. Like, it just, it's really great with pacing. The visuals are stunning, like you said. It happens a lot with these American remakes. They're set in Japan, but like mm -hmm. the characters are white, which like the main characters are white, which doesn't make any sense. So I feel like that definitely takes away from it, especially when you're watching it now in like a, it's just like, what's the point? You know, it's clearly made for like an American audience who doesn't want to read subtitles. It's not hard. Yeah, it's really not. Like Bong Joon-ho said, if you can overcome the one-inch struggle, you know, of subtitles, you'll be able to experience so many more movies. Yeah, so true.
And can we just talk about um, Raiko's, Ryoko, and like her relationship with her ex-husband? It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, well, we don't know like why they separated, and there's kind of that great scene when he's introduced, him just staring at his son, and we don't realize it's his son. It's this really awkward moment, and I don't even know if he knows that's his father. They never like show them together. Yeah, that is a great way to establish their relationship. You get a sense that like things are strained, but you don't know why, mm -hmm. and they never say explicitly. You just know that, that he's not around. I think he's a, he's a philanderer. He's sleeping with those college girls. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Mm -hmm. That one girl who comes in and, like, changes the equation on his board. Mm -hmm. All kinds of flirtiness going on there. But um, he's not. I've seen him in other things, and he is, he's an intensity. He's pretty hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, <laughs> um, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, Ryuji has, like, a sixth sense that enables him to, like, see the past and pick up, like, extrasensory. He can uh, kind of re get a read on people. They don't say how, really, but he just has yeah. these, this special gift. Yeah, but it's also implied that their son has the same because he can talk to the ghost. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I was kind of thinking how, like, it's an interesting parallel that he is a professor and he has these special gifts. And then the whole point of, like, the origin story is there's this professor and he kills his supposed daughter who has these gifts that are just extraordinary. So it's kind of weird how he, like, how he fits in all this. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like both of them wrapped into one. That's a good point. Yeah. And you would think that, like, she would have spared him, but she doesn't spare anybody who watches the video. Like, because I thought, like, because he had these special gifts, she might be able to relate to that, you know? Mm -hmm. But th there's no mercy or understanding, I guess. Yeah. And that scene, the scene where he dies and she crawls out of the TV to kill him. It's really powerful because what he says when he realizes what's going on is why. Because they think they've lifted the curse. And I knew, I was like, there's eight minutes left in this freaking movie. That is not <laughs> the end, that's too happy of an ending. Right. Um, and I even thought like, Raiko, how she was saved in the well, I kind of thought it was because she was comforting her and she understood her. But it's not then until we remember the whole, like, copy of the tape thing, which I totally forgot of, like, from the beginning of the movie. So... reveal at the end, too, because you know that it's going to continue. Mm -hmm. Her plan is to sacrifice her father. Yeah. Unless you get someone else to copy the tape. Unless he's like, I'm too old. I'm old anyway. It's fine. <laughs> or, like, whatever the reason. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of terrible you have to force someone to watch it and then they have to play it for someone or they're a goner yeah you definitely have sympathy for sadako though she's really scary but she it's only because of the wrong that's been done to her 
Yeah, and we don't know like what her life was like really before she ended up killing that man during that demonstration. Like it could have been abusive or I, we don't really have any context. That's what I took from it because <laughs> one, her father actually killed her. Um, yeah. <laughs> and two, I, I took her killing the man at the conference as an accident. Like, she oh. had no full control over her powers because she's a child. Yeah. And she could have just been angry and then that turned into, you yeah. know, what she wanted. Like a, like an unhinged rage. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I think it's just like a definitely being like misunderstood and not quite knowing how to control that power. If we can bounce back to uh, Raiku's relationship with her ex-husband, uh, I like their dynamic because they know how to work together. Even though they're not together anymore, they, they have a task and they know what they have to do to try to figure it out before it's too late. It's like their inner researcher being like from their jobs coming out. Yeah. Yeah, I would probably be hysterical about the whole thing. I wouldn't be able to like go to the library and look up facts and go through new, like old newspaper articles. I feel like it would be more of a motivator than you would think. Like, yeah. If, if you were told like, okay, this is how much time you have left, but if you figure it out. I might still procrastinate. <laughs> <laughs> On the sixth day, let's start doing the work. <laughs> I also think it's super cool how this movie defies your expectations of having safety behind the screen. You can always, whenever you're watching something scary, you can always tell yourself that it's not real, it's a movie. But whenever she crawls through your fucking TV and you're like, oh, I'm watching this on a TV, it makes you think a little bit. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was trying to sleep and then I looked at the TV or even when I just watched something that's not even remotely scary, like trying to sleep, I was like, am I hearing something? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> Look at the TV. This is maybe the third or fourth time I've watched this and I still had lights on when I was watching it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I had to turn light on the end just in case. I didn't know what was coming to me. I just, like, I hate the way... And it's the same thing with this very famous scene in The Grudge that I don't know if you've seen, but I'm going to assume you haven't. Mm -mm. The ghost in that movie is crawling down the set of stairs, and it's just, like, the crawling maneuver that's really unnatural and weird, kind of like when she crawls out of the TV here. Mm -hmm. It's just so scary. I hate it. Just weird movements that are not natural. <laughs> yes, uncanny. Yeah, and that's when we see her with, like, no fingernails. Yep. And everything. Yeah, in the American version, she kind of, like, she crawls out of the TV, but she also kind of, like, teleports around the room, and I, I don't really like that. Teleport? They're trying to add too much. They're, it's they're, weird, they're yeah. They're too weird. much. They're like, Americans, they can't stay folk. We gotta, like, just dazzle them with baubles and whatever. <laughs> yeah, we definitely do. 
How many VHS tapes would you give this? You know, I think I'd give it a nine. Nine VHS tapes. Wow! Because, you know, I don't know. I saw your notes. I kind of peeked before I watched the movie. And you said, like, about, like, the horror. And I was, like, coming through the screen. And I was, like, what am I getting into? But <laughs> I really, I just loved, like, the uncovering of the story. And I just found something, like, so peaceful about it. Yeah. So, and I appreciated it. So good. I'm glad. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm also gonna give it a nine because it's a great movie. Yeah, for people who aren't really into horror, this is something that you can handle. I think. Yeah, and it's also like a an easy cultural point too. Like mm -hmm. you watch this and you you get a feel for the time that it was made in the culture that it was made, and it's really easy to like trace its origins through that culture too. So recommendations based on this, um, Dark Water, which is also made by the same director, uh, came after this one, I think in like 2002. It's also about a single mom and her son living together. Um, she's like fighting to keep custody of him and they move into this apartment where there's like a, like a mysterious water stain appears and the water is like evil and that's all I'm going to say about it but it's also a really good slow burn mystery not as much of a horror and also audition it the first hour of it plays off like a romantic comedy there's this like high class guy who has a teenage son his wife died a few years prior uh his son is like hey dad, you look a little down. Maybe you should date someone. So he sets up these fake auditions, um, staging like a, like a movie that they're casting, but actually he's just trying to find like a perfect wife. So he chooses someone and she turns out to not be what he anticipated at all. It has some of the best jump scares in film, I will say. What a great concept. And Have if they tried to remake that with like online dating or something? <laughs> oh god, maybe. I, I could totally see it. If you're into uh, seeing people's feet get cut off with piano wire, then this one's for you. <laughs> Do you have anything to add, Amanda? Um, not really a horror, like I don't know. The only one I could kind of come up with is The Witches of Eastwick. Have hmm. you seen that? No. It's like it's like kind of horror. It's, it has the story element of like this guy coming to this small town played by Jack Nicholson. And he, you know, he, he takes up residence in this haunted mansion. And then there's like these three friends, they're like three friends, Susan Sarandon, um, Cher, and I can't remember. Michelle Pfeiffer, yeah, and it's just an interesting story of, like, how they all intertwine with him. There's, like, kind of a horror element and, like, some comedy. That That's the closest recommendation I kind of have. Hmm, cool. So recently I've watched, I just got a Shutter account, and it's been great. Um, I've been watching Eli Roth's History of Horror. It's like a documentary series about 
none other than the history of horror. <laughs> so <laughs> there's an episode like dedicated to like there's one for vampires, there's one for um, demons, all that stuff. So I've been like breezing through that. They have some pretty great interviewees, like Rob Zombie, um, a lot of people from The Walking Dead. I think it was on AMC, so that's probably just like a plug for them. Mm-hmm. But, um, pretty cool show. And uh, Next of Kin was a movie that I watched recently from 1982. It's called an exploitation film um it's like a ripoff of the australian new wave basically um it's about a woman who uh her mother dies and um she inherits like a an old folks home and there's some like hidden secrets that she finds i watched the snyder cut of the justice league um, I guess Friday, the day after it came out, I hunkered down. <laughs> I made my dad watch it, you know, <laughs> and he has no context for anything. So he was just kind of like, he was saying like Batman, Superman, whenever they showed up on screen, that was kind of it. <laughs> he was just pointing things out, basically. Yeah. So it was kind of amazing because he would say a line of dialogue before they would say it. That's how, like, formulaic everything is, you know? Yeah. We know the beats that they're going to hit. But surprisingly enjoyable, if not exhausting, is what I would say about this movie. I mean, you got to, like, honor Zack Snyder for kind of committing. Like, he was adamant about getting this thing out here. Because I don't know if you know the story, but he had to leave production of the original Justice League. Didn't his, die? Yeah, she committed suicide. Oh, so Joss Whedon came on, and they used a, a few of Zack Snyder's original shots, but it was mainly Josh Whedon's movie. And he kind of like, there was some terrible reshot stuff with like Henry Cavill when he had the Mission Impossible mustache, and they were trying to cover that up, and that was like a whole thing. But it's just... I don't know. Zack Snyder has a very specific style, and it's not for everyone. But for what it is, it and, and for what the fans wanted, I think this is a good depiction of that. Yeah. Uh, and then I also watched Election for the first time, directed by Alexander Payne. And this, I've heard so much about this movie, and I can't believe I haven't seen it until now. Matthew Broderick and Reese Witherspoon are amazing. And she's like so young in this. She's incredible. Yeah, I've only seen parts of it in classes. Yeah, you need to watch it because Matthew Broderick is like, <laughs> I don't know, he gives just a great like loser performance in this. It's perfect. And then in anticipation of King Kong versus Godzilla, dropping next week. I was so hyped for that. You know that was a thing. Yeah. Well. It's the showdown of the century right here. <laughs> <laughs> but I went back and I watched the original, I'd never seen them before. I watched the original King Kong and the original Godzilla that are on HBO Max right now. So just amazing to see like early claymation and you know black and white film obviously. And how, like, those characters' stories have 
changed and how we see them now. Like Godzilla isn't really about the monster. It's about like anti-war and like weapons getting into the wrong hands and those kind of themes. So it was just fun to look back on that. Yeah. Super cool. I didn't know that those were on HBO Max. I'll have to um, check them out. Do they have a lot of like classic monster movies on there right now? I'm not sure, but they're like one of the only streaming services who actually have older movies, you know, like some of the more like classics like Casablanca and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I still need to watch the King Kong from like the 70s or 80s with Jeff Bridges. That's on my to watch list. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen either one of those. Um, I also know that if you are a fan of, like, classic monster movies, Shudder just added a bunch of them, too. There's, like, White Zombie um, with Bela Lugosi and um, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I've seen that one, yeah. Yeah, super cool stuff. So what's next week's pick? All right. Next week's pick is a movie I've mentioned on the pod before. And one that I really like and am excited to revisit um, is Dolomite Is My Name. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's our most recent movie. It's not too old. It's like a couple years old. Or not even. It might be like just a year. But I really love Eddie Murphy in this movie. This is kind of Eddie Murphy's comeback performance. And it's just a great comedy about movie making and like making it in Hollywood. So I think this will be a really fun watch. Cool. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch this one, so I'm excited for this. I'm forcing you to now. (laughs) (laughs) I think that about wraps it up for us. See you next week for Dolomite Is My Name. And um, head to, let's see, Tubi or Shudder to watch Ringu. Ringu.